It's just like a cascading effect of bizarreness and, and BS that all of a sudden is a baseline for research for people who, when you look at them, they got some really weird backgrounds, man. There's some people that are, they're freaky deaky. And I think when you really dig into the sources, you start to say, yeah, if he actually believes that every night he spoons with Zeta Reticulans, I don't think that's a guy that I really want to listen to when it comes to UFO theory. I'm Ken Harbaugh, and this is Burn the Boats, a podcast about big decisions. My guest today is Denver Riggleman, a former representative from Virginia's 5th Congressional District and an ex-Republican. He served as a technical advisor to the January 6th committee, and now he's partnered with Hunter Biden's legal team to provide data analysis in the face of congressional inquiries and the GOP's claims about Hunter's conduct. Denver, welcome back to Burn the Boats. Thanks for having me. Good to be back. Let's start with the podcast. You just launched a new one. It's called Mighty Peculiar, and it bills itself as a hilarious deep dive into conspiracy theories, backrooms, Bigfoot, and bourbon. Tell us what's going on with that. Yeah, I just figured when I started doing this a long time ago, you know how I got hit with the Bigfoot erotica stuff when I wrote the first book, Bigfoot is Complicated. And by the way, that book is being shopped for a movie right now, believe it or not. I know that's insane. So um, I had a couple guys come to me and I was going to, I had signed uh, some deals with some podcast production companies that I got out of. I said, I just want to be independent and do things on my own. And it's, it's not huge. It's two guys. I really like a researcher and a producer. And I just, I'm a very independent guy. So I wanted to tackle uh, some very thorny subjects with some seriousness, but also some humor. And I think we're pulling it off so far. It's a big learning curve. And we've done things all the way from Marjorie Taylor Greene's conspiracy theories to the Seekers in the 1950s, who were the first U who combined UFO aliens with Jesus. They had a cosmic Jesus that was going to take them up into the uh, spaceships. So we, we have a wide variety of topics, but what we do is we link all these historical things that happened from Roswell to the Seekers, right, to so the mad gasser of Mattoon that caused a town-wide panic. And we link that to today's conspiracy theories and the myths and cults that people are, are really tuning into. What's your ultimate goal? Because I know you're not just in it for, for the laughs. It's a funny show and it's, you know, it's a challenge in this day and age to make uh, conspiracy theories entertaining and not just terrifying. But what's, what's a win for you? I don't imagine you're getting many of the conspiracy theorists saying, oh, I get it now. Thank you for opening my eyes. Is it family members? Is it just affecting the larger conversation? How would you define a win? I think if the win is giving people a toolkit to really go house to house with how to actually sort of engage with myths and cults and conspiracy theorists for people that become so tribalist, they can't even see what a facts-based insight looks like. That's really what I want to do. And, and I'm hoping that maybe I can break through to at least my whole goal, as I told you before, Ken, if we get to three to 5% of the public that is mass, right? And uh, maybe you just sort of, you know, clip away at some of those belief systems. Maybe you can get to a couple people and help them out. I have really been resisting this, but you left the door wide open to ask about these UFO hearings. You, you host a podcast on conspiracy theories. You were a former member of Congress. What do you make of this? And I'm just going to put my biases on the table. This colossal waste of congressional time investigating alien life forms in government freezers. Colossal waste of government time. That is exactly what it is. And 
you know, we have, I think, reached the idiot exhaustion stage of the United States Republic once we start having hearings on these, uh, on uh, UAPs, UFOs, and even trying to change it to UAPs to make it more palatable to the American public is really hilarious to me. I know how that works. And, but yeah, I was, you know, I, I watched Grush, I watched these individuals. There's no data to validate any of this. And by the way, Ken, you know, we have a background in the military. I did hundreds of military missions. You know, I was trained F-15s, F-16s, B-1s, combat zones. You know, I did not only the mission pre-briefs, but the debriefs. I've had my guts in the hands of AMRAMs, uh, air-to-air and air-to-ground missiles. I know JDAMs inside and out. I know our weapons characteristics. I was on hundreds of special access programs and stoves, special technical operations. And I never in my life had one person direct me to brief about UAPs before pilots went out into a mission area. Now, I know that's anecdotal. Uh, I had somebody come to me, actually to my distillery, who know these guys, to try to talk me into believing this and told me some stories. And it was in good faith that he did it. But I think at this point, this is the same thing that happened in from 1947 on, you know, there's been there's been three projects that went back to back to back, right? There was Project Saucer, there was Project Grudge, and then there was Project Blue Book. And when you're looking at all these individuals, they even had a report from the CIA and other government agencies, like their biggest worry is mass psychosis of people who think they see what they see. Last thing, when you look at UFO reports uh, from 1947 to today, all the UFOs match the actual technology of the day. And that is something that, <laughs> right? And so I think we have to look at, uh, I think we have to go back to Joseph Campbell and the meaning of things in society. I think 1947 was an explosion for, for UFO sightings. And I think now we sort of have this fantastical base of people who, who might, you know, have been retired officers or might have, you know, fly jets and things like that. But to automatically assume that there's some kind of alien presence, I think we're getting into sort of ludicrous speed right now, those type of things. Yeah, I mean, even the Navy pilots aren't claiming like little green men. I mean, I, I saw stuff I couldn't explain in the moment as a Navy pilot, especially flying over the middle of the Pacific. You see weird stuff out there. But it's, I think, the loss of critical thinking ability, which seems societal now, where the first explanation is the craziest explanation. I also think that might be an artifact of what gets clicks, what makes headlines, and it becomes self-perpetuating. But for me, the, the real danger is this loss of critical thinking ability among the population, which, by the way, select our government. Well, you said something really interesting there. You said that the first idea of something, it's something extraterrestrial or out of bounds, right? Out of some kind of natural thing that we can explain. It's the same with uh, a Bigfoot expedition. You know, when I was studying Bigfoot believers, the first time you hear a wood knock, or they, heard, or they saw something red in the woods, which I never saw. There was 40 people around me. I'm looking right at the same place, and I don't see the red eye shine that they're saying that they see. But everything in the woods, every noise in the woods, from a wounded coyote to a rabbit getting eaten, is Bigfoot. You know, And uh, you're just sort of like, Jesus, Pete, man. Not everything in the woods is Bigfoot. I've been hunting all my life, done things all my life. And if I hear a, a little roar in the woods or a growl, my first say, oh, Bigfoot's chasing me. Oh shit, you know, I better run. So I think you're right about that. I think people are automatically um, assuming some kind of bizarre extraterrestrial or mythological, cryptozoological, zetareticulin, reptilian, humanoid um, reason for something happening in the natural world. And it's, it's, it can get exhausting. Now, you are a data driven guy. I would 
probably be fair in calling you a data fanatic. And this title in Scientific American really made me think of you. It, it reads, bad data, not aliens, may be behind the UFO surge, uh, NASA team says. I mean, the data can teach you a lot, even if it's just spreadsheets you pointed out. Oh, man. The fact that UFOs always match the technology of the times. If you look at like maps of UFO abductions, they always seem to be in first world countries with, uh, you know, robust tabloid media. You know what I'm getting at. Yeah, I do. And it seems like the aliens are really attracted to cows. <laughs> and all the wrecks happen, you know, with a farmer who doesn't know what he's looking at. And you know, there's this, uh, the story of the farmer at Roswell, by the way, it wasn't Roswell that the, the plane crashed. It was actually an adjacent town. The record was taken to Roswell. That's the first issue. But the farmer didn't even think it was a big deal when he found whatever the detritus was. It was probably a, a nuclear balloon, right? That was Project Mogul, right? Back in the day. Um, so he just said, oh, this is a weird looking silvery thing. And then all of a sudden he saw in the paper, you know, that one reporter who screwed up and said, was it a flying saucer and it was i think a week after or days after before he even reported it that's how non unexcited he was about what he found so the whole thing is just it's just like a cascading effect of bizarreness and and bs that all of a sudden is a baseline for research for people who you know when you look at them they got some really weird backgrounds man even you know they there's some people that are you know they're freaky deaky and i think when you really dig into the sources you start to say, yeah, if he actually believes that every night, you know, he spoons with Zeta Reticulans, I don't think that's a guy that I really want to listen to when it comes to, you know, UFO theory. What we haven't talked about, and this is probably the biggest piece, is the monetization of conspiracy theories. I've driven through Roswell on trips out west. I bought the alien jerky for, you know, 20 bucks a bag. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you know the billboards? You, you just can't miss them. Alien jerky. I do. 10 miles up ahead, five miles up ahead. Talk about how much money there is in blowing up these conspiracy theories. Well, that's uh, the thing is, is that I'm enemy number one if you're looking at the Gaia channel, <laughs> you know, or you're looking at, you know, monster hunting and, and uh, Bigfoot shows or UFO shows or you know, the spiritual Bigfoot shows that are coming out now or, you know, the alien Bigfoot mix or the fact that, you know, the orbs, you know, that uh, everybody seems to see. Now you have aliens and ghosts that are starting to mix in together. So, you know, it's just a big, it's a sticky bomb of conspiracy theories, but the money, can the money, you know, you think about the first Bigfoot expedition I went on, you're talking about they were charging $2,000 a person. There were 40 people there. This was in a state park, right? So, you know, the, the, you know, and, and so the money is so big for these grifters and if they can continue, it's, it's interesting. It's like, can we continue the fantasy on the backs of people that have some kind of plausible, I guess they have some plausible respectability in some kind of field, say a pilot, and then jump on that and spin this magical theory, uh, based on stuff that's unvalidated. So yeah, I'm a data fanatic. Because you got to look at good data and bad data. There's unvalidated data and validated data, and there's forensic chain of custody, and then uh, you know data that doesn't mean the chain of custody. It's are you willing to go all the way into what you can prove and try to use facts-based insights uh, rather than fantasy-based insights? Uh, I think that's really just the key. And 
And right now, I think all the data we have now, all the social media, everything that we're seeing, all the streaming ways that we can get data, I think it's made people progressively dumber. It's one thing when that grift is for entertainment. Actually, don't begrudge the the person who wants to spend 2000 bucks to hunt for Bigfoot in a national park. But it has infected our politics. It's infected our decision-making. It's infected our, our national security and our health as a country. You recently tweeted, ignorance is a cash crop and business is good. And you were referring to RFK's rise and his celebration in certain quarters as one of the leading purveyors of this crap. Dear Lord. I mean, if anybody even goes two or three layers deep on on Robert F. Kennedy Jr., you can see the guy is absolutely a whack job. And when you go to the bottom of everything, and Ken, you know, I've been always trying to like, what is the bottom line conspiracy theory belief system, right? From everything, 9-11, truthers, fake moon landing, flat earthers, hollow earthers, adrenochrome, Italian satellites, the whole stop the steal thing from the broken algorithms to hammer and scorecard from NSA, anti-vax, every conspiracy theory you can think of, going back to World War II, you know, what happened then, all these things, the baseline, and RFK Jr. is a master at it, is that it's a deep state globalist cover-up or a deep state globalist, you know, some kind of thing that you can't control that's actually manipulating your entire life. And I think a lot of people that are addicted to that are those that already believe that they have a direct link to the supernatural. And sadly, that's people that are very evangelical or very religious also. And so if you think that, you know, something supernatural can affect your life, you know, all the time, or you have a direct line to the, to deities, is it that hard to believe that, you know, 9-11 was an inside job or there's a deep state globalist cabal, you know, that's happening. I just think there's this, I think if I could go all the way down and just meet it out, right, all the way down to the bottom, it's that there's something else out of your control that's always just one step, one thing away from your grasp that you can get. And usually that's some kind of conspiratorial, overarching, deep state, globalist, you know, government, one world government, new world order. That's controlling all our lives. And if you go to the base of that, there's always a cover up or, you know, what I always say, false flags, you know, are the bastion of the dumbest conspiracy theorists. And I think, I think all of it sort of goes down to, you know, sort of roots down to that. This summer, you could spend thousands of dollars on planes, hotels, and tourist traps, or you can spend less money on a beautiful garden that will give you years of happiness with FastGrowingTrees.com. FastGrowingTrees.com has thousands of easy-to-grow plant, shrub, and tree varieties expertly curated for your unique climate and needs. From Meyer lemons to evergreens to shade trees and everything in between, no more waiting in long lines and hauling heavy plants around. With FastGrowingTrees.com, you order online and your plants arrive at your door in just a few days. No green thumb? No problem. Fast Growing Trees plant experts are just a Zoom chat or phone call away, always available and eager to help. They can even walk you through your entire garden to help solve problems you're having with plants and trees. Plus, Fast Growing Trees plant experts have specialized degrees and training to help troubleshoot from root to leaf. It's like telehealth for your plants. I love FastGrowingTrees.com because I found the perfect cherry tree I was looking for and their plant experts help me keep it thriving. They can help you too. And with Fast Growing Trees, 30-day alive and thrive guarantee, 
you know everything will look great fresh out of the box. Join almost 2 million happy Fast Growing Trees customers. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash boats now to get 15% off your entire order. 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash boats. Staying healthy, especially when you have a family that you want to be able to spend as much time with as possible is so important. We all have a heartfelt reason to support our blood pressure. In fact, more than half the U.S. population would benefit from blood pressure support. Super Beats Heart Chews are an easy and convenient way to support healthy blood pressure, and they promote heart-healthy energy. Paired with a healthy lifestyle, the antioxidants in Super Beats are clinically shown to be nearly two times more effective at promoting normal blood pressure than a healthy lifestyle alone. And with over 30,000 five-star reviews and counting, Super Beats Heart Chews are having their moment. Super Beats Heart Chews are delicious and so much better than any alternative supplement out there. Super Beats Heart Chews are effective and clinically studied. They are the number one pharmacist-recommended beet brand for cardiovascular health support. It's blood pressure support you can trust. Double your potential with Super Beats Heart Chews. Get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats Heart Chews and 15% off your first order by going to GetSuperBeats.com and using promo code BOATS. That's GetSuperBeats.com, code BOATS. You have studied conspiracy theories across time, across cultures, let me let me try to understand what you're saying. Are the people drawn to them looking to explain a lack of control in their lives? They're looking to attribute some of the chaos they can't explain, which is just life to some external force, some malevolence. Is is that what it's about? Is it a deep-seated psychological phenomenon? Yeah, I think it is. I think uh and I think it's been exacerbated by, you know, and I know that this is a hell of a uh, this is a hell of a linkage I'm about to do right here. But when you're talking about the Reawaken America tours by Mike Flynn, where you're talking about Seven Mountains Dominionism, but also when you're talking about people who feel like they're powerless in society, I think they have a really difficult time accepting that life is just life. It's actually it's it's just life. And I think so many people have sort of accrued this arrogance through I- ignorance. I think that that's one of those things that it really strikes me is the more arrogant somebody you're dealing with, you find out that the amount of volume and words that they use, I think, are directly relatable to their low IQ, and I think, or their abil- or their, or their credulous nature, or their way of fantastical thinking, and I think that's what scares me is that you become a a hero in your own movie of good against evil by embracing things that you can't really prove, but it hits you in the feels. And then you have to back into weird things using data that's unvalidated or piecing together things that seem to be real, but there really is no linking tissue to them. And I think as you keep going down that rabbit hole, every conspiracy theory becomes something that you like or something that attracts you. I've never heard it put that way, this arrogance through ignorance Uh, characterization, but I see that. I see that as another common thread linking conspiracy theories and conspiracy theorists in that desire to feel special, to feel like they know something, they're part of a club, and you're not. You are unaware and 
oblivious to the real truth that they have an inside window into. And, you know, this might be a little harsh. Uh, you you attribute that to low, low IQ in a lot of cases. Sometimes. I attribute that to just having an uninteresting life <laughs> and wanting some excitement, right? And conspiracy theories are exciting. Plus, it gives you that good against evil glow. Yeah. I tell people that, you know, even then, you know, you got to remember when I was raised, I was raised to be a warrior of God, right? I was raised in the spiritual warfare mindset. And, you know, I even up until the ages, you know, in my young 20s, I'm like, you know, I'm putting on the armor of God. I had this, you know, I'm doing the right thing. The Constitution is a divine document. I have a chance to be a God myself. I'll have a massive family in heaven, you know, being raised LDS or Mormon. I was an elder in the Mormon church. So I had this absolute 100% certainty that I was of the one true religion. And I even listened to some of my elders at first who said, you know, or bishops don't read any book, you know, that's anti-Mormon because that's apostates, right? And that's of the devil. But I started doing that. I started questioning things because you have to say, hey, am I okay with a prophet that has 50 wives, right? And some of them very young. Am I okay with some of the things that the actual root belief system of the LDS church seems absolutely fantastical, bizarre. So that's, if you break out of that, even if you're raised in that, you still are always sort of fighting that want to go back into that soft, sweet cocoon, right, of belief. Because listen, life is brutal. Life is facts-based. And a lot of times life is boring. And uh, that's just part of it, right? It's, it's a slog. But if you believe that you have been called in some almighty mission based on saving our children from the basement of a pizza shop, right? Or that you're trying to stop Venezuelan programmers from fixing the election, or right, or you're trying to stop the Italian satellites from changing votes, you're saving America because God won. Or you're saving America because you have, as you said, I'm coming full circle back to you, Ken. You have a unique specialness that you know more than the other person. And you have this massive trove of unsubstantiated shit that you can throw at somebody who's backspaced. And then I have to go back and say, listen, I know you believe in eight-foot ghosts with 12-foot tongues, but that is not something that is actually validated by data. But they'll say, but I saw an eight-foot ghost with a 12-foot tongue, and, you know, and I like to sleep with them. So those are the issues that you have, and that's the fight, is that how do you fight? It's almost like fact-based people are fighting smoke. And that's really difficult. The problem with fighting back against a conspiracy with facts is that it reinforces the conspiracy, especially when you're talking about deep state conspiracies and things like that. <laughs> yes, you're so right. I am so far off script here, but I have to ask you, given your upbringing and your, your reference to the Warrior for God stuff, I have to ask you about the Sound of Freedom movie and its ties to the crazy QAnon world. We've covered it already in this show, but as a Mormon, what's your take? The protagonist, of course, is uh, from yeah. LDS. All right, you take it away. Yeah, I'm, you know, haven't, uh, you, gosh, I've been out of the LDS church now, I think, for 22 years, but I know it well. And the fact is, is that I think I saw a poll that the third largest denomination of believing QAnon was LDS. I think it was you know, polls or sometimes whenever, but it was, it was interesting. Um, I think it was 18%. Listen, you live in a fantasy world again. And, and there's people, there's great people in the LDS churches. So great friends. You just, I just can't, I'm like, come on, you know, I, I come on. 
You know, that's not a thing. I, I just don't see how that's possible. And if it is, and, and I'm at the pearly gates, and Jesus or God or somebody goes, "Hey, brother, you should have you should have had more than one, you know, wife," or you, you should know. I'm kidding. We don't do that anymore. But you know, you should have lived by this specific type of premise that you thought was fantastical, but actually it wasn't. You know, it did come from the celestial kingdom and the celestial and the terrestrial kingdom, and there are three kingdoms and. You got to, you know, there are pearly gates and you can be a God in other wor worlds and you can build your own universes. And I'll be like, oh crap, I really screwed up. You know, you know, I guess I'm just going to be chilling. But when you see something out of Sound of Freedom, I'm going to go see it this week. When you look at the belief systems of those individuals and you've seen Jim Caviezel like absolutely go off the deep end, you have to look at the source of the film. And if the film is already facts challenged and you have people going to see it and it's making over a hundred million dollars and who knows if people are buying tickets or not, I really don't care. The fact is, it has proved that it had legs. And I think that what you're going to see is a sound of freedom is going to be a rallying cry going into the 2024 election. And I think it's really, really sort of pushed back up the hashtag save our children, sort of QAnon, adrenochrome type of thing that's going on. And, and Caviezel has even said that himself. This is extremely dangerous. If you're going to do a movie, it has to be facts-based. Child trafficking is evil. It's awful. But if our eyes are off what's really happening and people are actually concentrating on fantasy, we're taking resources away from actually trying to stop the evil that people do. I think that's what pisses me off. Yeah, it's a enormous distraction from the actual threats that children face, both in terms of human trafficking, which is mostly perpetuated by people they know. Yes. And other threats like guns in schools and mental health and everything like that. Instead, we construct this vigilante fever dream that is the other problem that it provokes others to take on that warrior mindset and do, you know, the Lord's bidding and raid a pizza parlor that turns out not to have a basement full of kids, much less a basement. Been there. Yeah. I, I actually, I know when it happened, I went there. I know people are like, oh, Dan, you're such a nerd. But I was in Congress, you know, and I've been in DC multiple times. I'm walking in there like, how in the living hell would they be running a freaking pedophilia ring out of here. It's so ludicrous. Give us the Cliff's Notes version of, of Comet Pizza. Ah, okay. I love this stuff. So really, uh, you know, if you look at ping pong, uh, ping, Comet ping pong, um, you're looking at really the, the um, I would say the starting gun for the QAnon conspiracy theory. I think the piece, yep. first few drop came out three months after that. Comet ping pong was there was a pedophilia ring being run out of the basement, right? They were actually trafficking children. Hillary Clinton was part of it. Right. And that was really the baseline of why that individual went into Comet Ping Pong to actually shoot it up. Right. Or came in with a weapon and discharged the weapon. And then afterwards said it was stupid. But the issue that you had was there were supposedly trafficking children out of the basement at Comet Ping Pong. There is no actual physical basement there. And uh, the only thing I could find where you could hide is they have a pretty nifty bathroom where it looks like a panel and you just move the panel to the side. So I guess the bathroom's hidden a little bit of somebody, you know, wanted to hide in a bathroom. But yeah, that was the, the whole genesis of it is that it was, uh, it was a central part in D.C. for the deep state or Democrats, right, or globalists, New World Order, where they would use those children and actually they would traffic them out of Comet Ping Pong. And Hillary Clinton was a huge part of that based on her background as part of the huge, I guess, New World Order or the globalist or the deep state pedophilia ring that had been run out of there. And the shooter later said to the investigators uh, that he had had... He had had bad intel. I mean, he had no intel. Yeah, that's a, that's so funny you said that. Yeah, because bad intel, dude. That's not that's that's like having I don't even know what it is. It's like 
I would say base your whole life off of your belief that Lord of the Rings is a documentary, right? That's the, uh, I don't know if that's bad intel. I think it's just living in a fantasy world. Yeah, but he's using obviously military jargon back to this idea that you're special, you know something that others don't, and and you're a warrior for good. And man, we just see how dangerous that can be, especially when it's politicized. And we're going into the the highest stakes presidential election in our arguably in our country's history ever. And now we have, even today in Congress, everything, you have policy being set by fantasy. And it's really difficult, I think, to run a world superpower where people don't know the difference between what a fact looks like or what a fiction looks like. And I think that's that should frighten people, what's going on right now. Signing your life away to a big wireless provider is kind of like being trapped on a roller coaster from hell. Sure, it looked fun at first. They probably threw in a free phone, but now you can't get off. Month after month of insane bills and unexpected thrills like overages and surprise fees. If that sounds like your current big wireless plan, it's time to get off the ride with Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just $15 a month. Say goodbye to your big wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. All plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash boats. That's mintmobile.com slash boats. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash boats. Hi, Burn the Boats fans. I want to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor for today's show, Roan. Men's closets are long overdue for a radical reinvention, and Roan has stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection represents the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible clothes I've ever found. Roan makes it so easy to get ready for any occasion. The commuter collection offers the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, and polos. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy whatever life throws your way, from your commute to work to weekends at the kids' ballgames. Looking good is easy with Roan's wrinkle release technology, which makes wrinkles magically disappear seriously as you wear the products. It's really that easy. I don't have time between work and family and everything in between to worry about dry cleaning or ironing with Roan, I don't have to. I just wear and go. And I feel great doing it. Even after a long day, Roan feels clean and new and just as comfortable as the moment I put it on. You got to try it out. Head to roan.com slash boats and use promo code boats to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you had to R-H-O-N-E dot com slash boats and use code boats. Trust me, Roan makes choosing what to wear not just easy, but classy and comfortable. That's roan.com slash boats. Did you know over 80% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about? I certainly am one of them. Think of how many free trials you've subscribed to that you've probably never canceled. That's why I'm a fan 
of Rocket Money. With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the subscriptions you don't want with just the press of a button. No more long hold times or annoying emails with customer service. Rocket Money does all the work for you. Rocket Money can even negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all of your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. With over 3 million users and counting, Rocket Money customers have saved an average of $720 a year. Stop wasting money on things you don't use, cancel your unwanted subscriptions, and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash boats. That's rocketmoney.com slash boats. rocketmoney.com slash boats. Okay, I need your take on the GOP primary. You have said that the VP race is the only game in town. Do you really think there is zero chance of someone taking the baton from DeSantis and and moving into that whole position to take out Trump, uh, or is it over? Uh, well, you know, I, I you know I'm an old intelligence officer, so you never say a hundred percent. So you can say, well, I never said a hundred percent, Ken. You know. But I think right now we're at probably the 95% threshold where Trump is the presumptive nominee. And I don't know, Ken, I watched DeSantis. I don't know if there's something wrong with that boy. I'm not quite sure, you know, what his, what his deal is. But um, the only person that looks like that has sort of can drag the ax in an effective way is Chris Christie. And I know that's interesting that he helped Trump so much, but he's the one who seems to be able to, to attack. But I think what you're going to see on that stage at this at this debate is you get the first person who comes out and says guard the vote, which is the new stop the steal, or the first person that says election in- integrity units, or the first person that says it's a witch hunt. Whoever you see, those people who are trying their best to insert that into the conversation of the people running for VP, and I think that's what I'm going to look for. Is I got a feeling that five out of the seven on that stage are running for VP. Uh, the only two that might be a little bit bowed up is DeSantis and Christie. Issue with DeSantis, though, is Christie's going to probably drag him around the stage. I just got a feeling it's going to be, it's not going to be great for Ron because he really does, he's really not a policy centric guy. He's a ultra warrior centric guy. Yeah. And I think that's going to be really interesting how he responds to that. And the fact is, his polling is tanking. You know what? The other candidates, they sense chum in the water. I mean, they're going to come and they're going to eat. And I think they're going to just get all over DeSantis. I think he's going to have a rough time. They have no idea how Christie's going to come at him. And I think they're going to think they do, but I don't see his staff being able to prepare him for what's about to happen. I hope Christie brings up his collateral duty as a Navy JAG. Do you know the one I'm referring to? I do know what you're referring to. Assistant, not the urinalysis coordinator, the assistant urinalysis coordinator. That was DeSantis's, uh, that was the job his commanders gave him when he wasn't jagging. Ron Golden Showers DeSantis. You know, that's, you know. You said it, not me. <laughs> hey, man, military, man. You know, come on. If he can't take a joke, I mean, probably shouldn't have been in the military. On a serious note, that guard the vote stuff that you brought up really scares me because it is militarizing that true the vote stuff. And I think we're going to see in the run-up to the election just a an order of magnitude increase in the number of people who show up at the fringes, at the outside edges of those polling places. I think it's a hundred foot buffer barrier, but armed to the teeth with their tactical gear, with their masks on, carrying loaded long rifles, right? 
And we saw this from a, a group of veterans last go around through the vote who just happened to only go into minority communities to protect polling places. Voter intimidation as clear as day, but under the guise of, of true the vote, now guard the vote. And I think it's going to be a call to arms and it's, it's scary. It is. I think spring of 24, you're going to see some crazy stuff, man. You know, you got the back-to-back-to-back-to-back indictment schedule for Trump, right? You got somebody who's going to be seen by his true believers as a political prisoner. You know, the deep state's attacking. There we go again. Back to the deep state globalist conspiracy theories. I think all that's going to happen at once. And I think, you know, in spring, I, I still think Biden's a presumptive nominee on the Democrat side. But if you look at the combined age, what is it, 157 right now between Biden and Trump? between Joe and, and, and Don. Something like that. Right. And so when I look at that, dude, next year is a long way away in a health way. I, you know, everybody's like, oh God, it's just around. Well, you come into June and July of next year, you're talking about people that are not young, that have another year on them. We don't know what that's going to look like. I think you're going to have health problems one way or the other. Oh my God. So when you say, is there somebody other than DeSantis? I mean, if, if Trump has a health scare, who knows? Right. If Biden has a health scare, boy, that could change the whole dynamic. I think the guard the vote thing is going to really rally people. I think you're right. I think some people are going to get froggy, but it also comes to the, the to this. I mean, if they can intimidate enough, or they can suppress vote, or you can disenfranchise people, or you can change just enough laws, I still think it's very possible Trump gets over 70 million votes if it, you know if he is the nominee. And will Biden get 81 million if he's still the nominee? I don't know. So anybody out there saying Trump can't win, I think you got to take your head out of the sand and start looking around. They said that in 2015. And if anything, the Republican field now is more solicitous of Trump than they were in 2015. So he's in in a better position, at least in the primary. We got to get to your day job or at least your latest gig. There was this bombshell headline, ex-congressman, that's you, suggests Hunter Biden alleged laptop data is fabricated. Uh, what's going on with that? Yeah, it's um, it's the age-old thing. First of all, if people would watch the, you know, you know this on Acosta, I was talking about forensic chain of custody, and we know the forensic chain of custody is completely broken. There is no public data right now out there that can be linked to any device. It just isn't possible, right? The other thing with that, when you see database structures that are messed up, or things that are actually inserted, or you see things that have been deleted to change context. You start to get into that fabrication or insertion of data or deletion of data to change the actual narrative. And that is pure information warfare. And, you know, I read Hunter's book, Beautiful Minds. I talked to Hunter a lot. It was very difficult for them to convince me to try to do this because I did tell them anything I find is discoverable. There's lots of data out there that's not just specifically to a laptop. It's sort of ludicrous to think that COVID started from Hunter's laptop, which seems to be the you know, everything comes from Hunter's laptop, right? Aliens, for the love of God, probably erupted from, from Hunter's laptop. But I think it's the thing between proof and maybe untoward activities. And like I told the Biden legal team, you know, the thing is, is that he've already, he's already confessed to doing really bad things, but he's trying to change his life. You know, how do you defend that? For me, it was a curiosity of data, right? What exactly is out there? And why is it that the laptop story is so convoluted? And once I started looking at the people and how they self-identified, like the uh, John Paul MacIsaac, who's the owner of the Mac shop in Delaware, you know, he wrote a book that contradicted what he said initially. And now we know that there's he did not know what a forensic copy was. 
So now we're really in a weird space where you have him giving away copies to Rudy Giuliani and his daddy. And I mean, this is a guy who was afraid of a basket of fruit. He thought I'd been poisoned by the Biden, you know, assassination. So, I mean, you have a conspiratorial guy who's legally blind, who's somehow a Mac repairman, who the only data he's ever released is Hunter Biden's out of the thousands of clients he said that he has. You get to a point that you're like, okay, what's really going on here? And I think what you have is that Hunter Biden was just a flank to the 2020 election, just like January 6th. And when you trace all that back to Bannon and Giuliani, you had a Chinese team that Bannon run and a Russian team that Giuliani ran. And you know the people they talked to, and we have the video and the data, we have validated data. You start to think, well, this was just another, just another op where they used some facts to change the narrative to make it a lot worse than it was when it was already bad. And, and they thought they had a willing target in Hunter Biden, and they went after. And um, I think if I was the Biden legal team, I would have... Uh, I probably would have reacted to some of those things a lot quicker than they did. So they made some mistakes, but they brought me in to just look at the data and see what we could forensically prove. And right now, I think that's why you see the Hunter Biden team on the offensive is because they believe that they have a pretty good case for data being stolen and invasion of privacy. They're suing. They're actually going after oh, yeah. the, uh, the folks who did it. Yeah, they are. And I think it's going to get more aggressive because you know Fox seems to be a favorite target of people because they seem to like to make things up. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Biden team went after Fox in it eventually. I just think, you know, they have a lot of validated points that they can bring up. And, you know, the thing too is that does Hunter just want to move on to his, with his life too, right? They got to make that decision now that, uh, you know, he's going to be out of the criminal woods here soon. And even with the crap show that went on with the plea deal that I, that I was looking at and, you know, but I think he's going to be out of those woods. He's got to make a decision whether he wants to continue to sue people for what happened to him or if he wants to move on. But if it can happen to Hunter Biden at this level, it can happen to anybody. And that's, again, what I want to go back to is how effective is information operations against you know average citizens or even citizens related to people in power. It's pretty, it's pretty awful to behold. Last question, uh, how's the bourbon business going? It's going good, man. You know, we, uh, we're making more barrels. We're expanding. We just got into Kentucky. We're about to get into Louisiana as far as distribution. So you know, it's a very busy job too. I know somebody's like, God, Dan, you probably look tired, but I also started a new AI company. So I got investment coming in and I'm starting a new analysis company on trying to find point of origins uh, for specific type of bad actors, uh, but also blending data that's never been blended before and using some of the new technologies to do that, to try to give you a better idea of what the battle space looks like. And uh, so I got that going on too. So I started another tech company. I got Silverback going. I'm supporting not only the legal team for Hunter Biden, but multiple clients. And, you know, I got media stuff going on. So it's, uh, it's been a road. It's been a trip the last four or five years. I'll tell you that, Jeff. Indeed it has. Uh, keep it up, Denver. As always, it is fun talking to you. Thanks. Ah, thanks, man. I appreciate you. You take care, buddy. Thanks again to Denver for joining me. Make sure to check out his podcast, The Mighty Peculiar. The link is in the show description. Thanks for listening to Burn the Boats. If you have any feedback, please email the team at kharbaugh at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're always looking to improve the show. For updates and more, follow us on Twitter at team underscore Harbaugh. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review. Burn the Boats is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Our producer is Declan Roars, and Sean Ruloffman is our audio engineer. Special thanks to Evergreen executive producers, Joan Andrews, Michael DeAloya, and David Moss. 
I'm Ken Harbaugh, and this is Burn the Boats, a podcast about big decisions. often hear about the individuals who took the oath of office to become the chief executive. But what about the other people who play a role in each administration or the events that may not be as well known, but that contribute to the reshaping of the office of the American presidency? On the presidencies of the United States, we explore each administration beyond just the person holding the highest elected office in order to better understand the history that brought us to the modern day presidency. I hope you'll join me on this journey through the annals of presidential history. Presidencies can be found anywhere fine podcasts can be found and is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.